0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online.
0: You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Monday, October 24th, and man, we've got an interesting, yet another weird, you know, potentially down offensive uh, week to talk about here in the NFL. I actually, disclosure right off the top, uh, spent a lot of Sunday, not a lot of Sunday, but a good chunk of Sunday in a flight back from Austin, Texas. A little weird mid-season trip for me so i did miss some uh, i'm just gonna stay right off the top miss some of the late game action but i feel pretty well all all caught up but i am very very thankful because of that missed action uh to have the great scott pianowski here with me to lean on and answer some questions uh as we dig through the fantasy numbers from the week scott how's it going
1: man welcome back matt uh more like the foolish scott pianowski i'm gonna start with an apology and a rant, and then we'll get into our games. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, first, the apology. I was asked a lot of Gus Edwards questions in the Start Sit uh, Yahoo Fantasy Twitter portion of the show hour before kickoff. And I gave a lot of advice, which was wrong. I gave bad Gus Edwards advice. I can live with that. I also, five days ago, as we're taping, at least six days ago by the time you guys are listening, put out a, a Kenyan Drake video on Tuesday. We did those on Tuesday, by the way. Yeah. Um, promoting Drake. Didn't have the information yet for sure that Dobbins was out. Didn't have the information that percolated Sunday. And I know and I know you retweeted this, uh, that Edwards was running with the starters in warm-ups. So Edwards had a good game. Drake, you know, he did actually get double-digit carries, but did nothing with them. So you know, if you played Drake, you didn't play Edwards, you know, I, I get it, okay? Although I, I would have probably been careful with Edwards anyway off the injury he was Coming off everything, but whatever. My, the Drake video looks bad, and some of the other videos I did. You know, Terry McLaurin played better than I expected. I always loved Terry McLaurin. I still think you know Heineke isn't very good. So when the game was over, a bunch of people on Twitter were just trolling me about how dumb my Drake take was and the video and all that. And I'm just going to outline the rules on this, okay? We're, we're public with our stuff, and I'm all for discourse. I'm all for your intelligent, respectful disagreement. I'm all for this pick stinks. Before the freaking game, you can't wait until the results are in and then say, Oh, why didn't you pick lottery numbers 317, 19, 22, 34, 45, Powerball 52? It's obvious to me. I'm, I'm a zillionaire now. What's wrong with you? Did, did, did we think Tampa Bay was going to get boat raced by Carolina? I mean, every NFL, look at the, the board now, the receiver board, McCole Hardman, wide receiver two. Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver five. Paris Campbell, wide receiver seven. DJ Moore, welcome to the season. Ray Ray McLeod, the third, lest we confuse <laughs> him with Ray Ray McLeod Jr. or Ray Ray McLeod Sr. is a top 15 receiver this week. So is Demir Board Bird. The only thing that happened in the Atlanta passing game today was Demir Bird. Okay. If you want to be in my orbit, if you want to. Be my friend on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Talk about these things. you got to be reasonable about it. If you just want to troll me, i I got no time for you, man. You're getting muted if I'm in a good mood. You're getting blocked if I'm in a bad mood. And you know why? Because I want to talk to the people who are reasonable. I want to talk to the people who beforehand say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's have an intelligent discussion. Let's have some fun with it. I'm not just, I'm not going to say after the fact, oh, uh, Matt, how, you know, your picks look stupid now because I just watched the game play out. That's, come on, you're better than that. And I I realize most of you people listening are better than that. But if you're going to, if you come on Twitter to troll me, man, I, you know, I'll block you like Matumbo. I don't care. I want to hang out with the the good people. I don't want to hang out with the trolls. I hear you, man. I got Edwards wrong. I I own it. I I feel terrible about it. I, I tweet, by the way. Well, like half of our industry was doing their victory laps. I went out and tweeted about how wrong I was about Gus Edwards. I put that out there. I own it, and I feel bad about that.
0: Yeah, well, that's all that this is, man. Especially something like five days ago, the Kenyon Drake video, man. Like, like you said, we literally were getting news about the Baltimore backfield right up to the last minute, and, and that's that's how this goes, man. Like information is always changing we're always trying to react to it in the best way possible we get some stuff wrong get a lot of stuff wrong i mean you know and you know you can look great in one moment you can look bad you know for another so um it all kind of it's all kind of a moving target here we're gonna try to hit that moving target as much as possible but i definitely appreciate those those uh, thoughts scott like everybody out there be reasonable you know we're reasonable i think scott we're both reasonable about like trying to fluff ourselves up for the things we get right or wrong or whatever, Uh, you know, because we're going to hit some, we're going to miss some, especially on the week to week stuff, man. That's the, that is by far the hardest, but we're going to try to give you the best information possible, the most up-to-date information possible. And we're
1: all going to try to get better as we keep moving along. For sure. And as we go through, we'll, we'll kick off the slate with the Kansas City, San Francisco game. But as we go through this slate, a lot of disappointments, a lot of low scoring, a lot of unusual players scoring touchdowns and a lot of big name players. We don't have a lot of injury information yet, but yeah. it looks like some major injuries were suffered on Sunday. A lot of players got hurt early in their game. So I feel your pain if, if anybody you know lost because you know St. Brown got hurt early or your enemies think about Mike Williams' future. We, we may not know a lot of this stuff by the end of this show, but you know, football, it's a next man up league. It's a waiver wire league. It's a, your roster looks different, radically different by mid-October than it did on draft day and you know we'll just try to learn from what happened today and make the best choices going forward
0: yeah there's actually just before we get into the individual games too because I think this is worth hitting on um a couple of things like obviously uh I talked about this with Andy and I think a few other folks about the about Kenneth Walker and we'll talk about Ken Walker you know in a deeper fashion early on but you know there's definitely like a multiverse where Ken Walker isn't a league winning pick, right? Rashad Penny stays healthy, you know, or he's the one who gets hurt. It's just the one thing that we know is is constant. In the NFL is chaos. Um, that that is what you know. Di- like if you had Amon Rossing Brown, you're you're on fire the first few weeks. You are not so much on fire the last couple of weeks. These injuries are going to keep piling up, and you know Michael Carter might now go on to become the league winner because of Brees Hall. That we'll talk about again. We'll talk about all this stuff in depth later. But you know one more thing before we move on to the actual individual games you mentioned it scoring remains down some ugly offensive performances, you know, some teams we thought we could count on are truly like out of the circle of trust at this point. And, and like big name teams with big name quarterbacks, um, man, I, I, I can't co- help, but think back to the conversation we had with Austin Eckler early on in, in the week. You know, I posted the video of it this, this, uh, this today as well, earlier this morning on Sunday, you can go back and watch it. Like defensive coaching has officially caught up to offensive coaching. I think, you know, like, Four or five years ago, it was all the rage, like all these new offensive coordinators, you know, these these offshoots from the Shanahan tree just truly coming in and like not revolutionizing offensive football, but like pushing the boundaries of offensive football. And I think the older guard of defense has hadn't quite like gotten pushed out or moved along. But I think we're seeing that same revolution now on the defensive side of the football and offenses aren't able to just like. Constantly hit those layups like they were a few years ago, and I think that is affecting us at fantasy at every single level of the game. So that's going to be a theme with all of these games, Scott. And I, I just think that's going to probably go down to me as the story of the season. You know, it's not just like too high stuff either. It's you know five man fronts, all kinds of things that are are messing with run games, but also um, really are affecting quarterbacks in a dramatic way. And the best quarterbacks in the game. So, I. I it, there's a lot to pull on there. There's a lot of threads we'll pull on in individual games, but I feel like that is going to go down as one of the uh, one of the stories of the season um, unless things change over the last few months.
1: For sure. Uh, yeah, the defenses have fought back, and the running game is more important than maybe people wanted to think it was a few years ago where it, it just got to the point where it's like, well, passing is so much more efficient. Why run the ball at all unless you're just salting away a lead? And we're seeing teams now – proactively i mean the falcons want to run the ball even when they're behind you know both new york teams have winning records i don't know how good either team is but to some degree the the giants have to be careful with with wilson uh, i'm sorry with daniel jones it's the jets who have to be careful with wilson I, again we'll, we'll get into all this stuff but there's a lot of sea changes the nfl is constantly evolving and there's always a push and a pull and there are defensive errors and there are offensive errors and, and they're, you know, we've seen college concepts come into the game and stuff like that. But right now the defenses are winning and it's not just the young quarterbacks who aren't in the circle of tr- the circle of trust, like a of trust right now, yeah, but seriously. there's so many name brand quarterbacks who are frustrating uh, as well, which is why I'm so glad. And I, I'll just introduce the game. I'm so glad we can talk about Kansas City, San Francisco, 44, 23 chiefs. Yeah. Because P- Patrick Mahomes, it's just nice. You know, Matt, I, I know we try to rewatch games during the week, and sometimes I'll look at a game, it'll be so ugly. I'm like, I just don't have the stomach to watch that game again. I always suffered through it. I'm just glad Patrick Mahomes can throw for 423 against the Niners defense. I know they're missing some personnel. But i just so glad I can enjoy a Patrick Mahomes performance you know, where everything else was like a bunch of record skips, it feels like.
0: Yeah, immediately the first game like flies in the face of everything I just said, right? Like, we have a quarterback who is the clear engine of the offense. He just happens to be... I still think the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, Josh Allen has a case up there as well. Um, you know, regardless, he is the engine of that team's offense. The 49ers at one point looked like the best defense in football, but Patrick Mahomes was nine of nine on passes of 13 plus air yards today. Like he was hitting those downfield throws. And, you know, obviously the big news prior to this game with the Chiefs was a new there was gonna be a new. First man up in the rushing attack, Scott. Uh, we just didn't think it was going to be McCole Hardman with two rushing touchdowns in this game. Obviously, Pacheco was now named the nominal starter at running back, but the running back rotation for the Chiefs didn't really change. Meanwhile, these Kansas City Chiefs, MVS, you know, hundred yard, hundred yard game at the receiver position. Juju, hundred twenty four yards and a touchdown. His back to back, first back to back hundred yard uh, performance as a Kansas City Chief. Um, like I mentioned, McCole Hardman, he gets there twice as a rusher and again as a receiver. It feels like, am I foolish to think it might be sort of like a new leaf uh, for these Chiefs receivers?
1: Yeah, I mean, all season we're talking about Mahomes having a great year, but who's who's running along with him, right? I mean, Kelsey, of course. is Kelsey was quiet today. Well, quiet today, 6 for 98, but didn't get a touchdown. That's actually perfectly fine. Quiet for That's him, a tight, yeah. <laughs> tight end smash game, I should actually say, on National Tight End Day, National Tight End Week. George Kittle did get a touchdown, though. Yeah. You know, the thing, the thing with, I'm glad to see the receiver, I'm like, glad to see Juju's playing well the last two weeks and, and you know, Hardman at least through bye week season. And I know you had to play Hardman in the league, you know, at least you can, th- what the heck flex, period. you can kind of, what the heck flex him now. The tricky thing about Pacheco is that they're not using him the pass game. I mean, he has nine receiving yards on the season. So yeah, they were more th- pass heavy today than, than they might be some weeks. So on a good day, maybe Pacheco could get 10 carries, 12 carries, 14 carries, something like that. But they're still going to play CEH. They're still going to play McKinnon. And they're still going to be a team that would prefer to throw the ball. So I I think the idea that, oh, great, I can ride with the Andy Reid starting running back, I, I don't think that it means what it used to mean because it's three-headed instead of two-headed. If they're going to th- you know, let their receivers run the ball sometimes if Hardman's going to get sprinkled in that way and those plays were successful right I mean you can't get mad at Andy Reid when he calls two rushing plays for Hardman they go for 28 yards and two touchdowns you can't get mad when he's creative and the plays work right I mean that's right you, you gotta tip your cap off to that so I said beforehand I, I did give out the wrong Edwards advice as I said I think I gave out the right Pacheco advice which is that I hope you grabbed him but I hope you don't need to play him Mm -hmm. because I I don't think the ceiling is as high as some people might think, because I don't think he's going to have a passing game role. I don't think the leash is very long. I actually think he looked really good for when he played. He only had eight carries. He lost at least one good run to a holding call or kind of a headlock. But I don't think there's anything wrong with Pacheco. It's just I don't think this offense is structured for him to get the touches that makes him more than maybe a a running back three, a flex guy. You know, It's not a... It's, this is not a Kenneth Walker situation where it's like, okay, I, I got a starter now who could get 20 carries, a guy I could think about getting hundred yards and Walker's getting some work in the past game. Not, not a ton of it, but at least a little bit of it, um, particularly as a guy, you, you're glad you got him on, on your bench and you, you need him if, if it comes to it, but I don't think his upside is that high. I, I, I think maybe that was overplayed a little bit by the market. Now, Juju, I do believe in, I think he's finally gotten comfortable in this offense. He's kind of washed the stink of that end of his Pittsburgh run away from him. And, I didn't know how to play Juju in the summer. And so I just basically, because I always had other receivers in his ADP range that I liked. I didn't have any Juju. Now that feels like a mistake. I think Juju can be a solid wide receiver too the rest of the season.
0: I think so too, at the very least, like a high end wide receiver three. And I was in on Juju this year and it was a rough, rough start, but there might have been a little bit of just acclimation period. And we know that, You know, I don't have the updated numbers in front of me, but we know that a lot of teams had been playing hard man coverage against the Chiefs, and Juju is a pure zone beating receiver. Like, that's what they, you know, that's what they got him for, was to beat zone coverage over the middle of the field. We saw him, you know, get wide open against 49ers on a big play, which wasn't really in Juju's arsenal the last couple of years. So I I do kind of believe in Juju going forward, and I completely echo your um, analysis on the backfield as well. Let's move to the other side of the ball. Obviously, you know, we get a big trade. For CMC, you know, we've talked about that a lot, obviously, coming into this game. Um, what was your reaction to the first, like, CMC-era 49ers uh, offense?
1: Yeah, yeah, about what I expected. I mean, he got um, eight carries, ten touches. He's going to be great in this offense. Um, but you couldn't expect full snaps. Um, Garoppolo, I thought, played very poorly today. Yeah. A friend of mine who covers the, the Niners really closely, uh, the former Dunham and Rogier, Gabe Thomas, he talked about maybe Debo being the loser with McCaffrey here because McCaffrey can kind of be the movable chess piece, and Kittle's gotten his wings spread in the offense the last couple of weeks. Iuka started to play pretty well. Not that Debo's going to be mothballed, or but maybe he he goes down like a half tier or something like that because now there's another mouth to feed. It was a tough call for McCaffrey managers. If you had somebody else plausible to start, you you may have benched him and. I don't know, early on you may have thought like there was a mistake and then he doesn't get in the end zone. He only ends up with like 60 total yards. And then you're like, okay, you know, I guess it was the right thing. But it's, I thought Caroline and San Francisco both did the right thing. Caroline is rebuilding. McCaffrey will not be a part of their next great team. So move on. They got a lot of picks. The Niners think the NFC does not have a lot of great teams right now. Philadelphia's got the pole position. I guess Dallas is pretty good. There's a lot of vanity teams that are struggling right now and we're going to talk about a bunch of them today so the Niners think they went to the NFC championship game last year they surely think that that's in their range of outcomes this year even though they're kind of off to a disappointing start so I can see why they went for it um now it's time to Jeff Wilson's just going to be a handcuff or a, a insurance play at best Elijah yeah. Mitchell when he comes back I mean I mean look McCaffrey was a top five running back on Carolina right so it only gets a little bit. I, I don't think there's that much more room to get. any. How much better can you get, right? But mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to see what Shanahan can cook up for him with, with a, a full week to prepare. But I guess today, him only getting a limited package. I mean, that, that, that was to be expected. Running back is still the easiest skill position on board, but he only had a few days with the team.
0: Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how much to take away from this because like it's CMC's first game. He got there so late in the week. you you know Thursday night the trade went through, so not a lot of time there. Um, and of course like they end up getting blown out in this game. Like Brock, uh, Brock Purdy is taking snaps late in this game, in the 49 for the 49ers in this one. And obviously you mentioned Ray Ray McLeod as a big play. Like, but I do kind of wonder, and I'll think more about it on the you know throughout the week if if Debo I I. I saw you uh, post about this as well, like that he might be the the loser here for uh, the 49ers just because of those design touches. Like they're going to scheme things up to Christian McCaffrey that they might've used to scheme up for Debo Samuel, who's a great player to, in, in his own right. But like Brandon, Ayuk, I think is, as good or maybe even a little bit better as like a pure receiver uh, than Debo Samuel is so that split will be interesting uh, to continue to monitor has played really really well all season long and now the production is really starting to get there as well All right, let's move on to uh, next game here Seahawks 37 Chargers 23 Um, couple of big stories in this one obviously DK Metcalf left with a knee injury was carted off Um, you know that, that potentially could be a serious one Pete Carroll didn't give us a lot of details here on Sunday so we'll continue to monitor that but Man, um, the positive takeaway here is Ken Walker, Scott, who since Rashad Penny has you know pretty much left our lives this year, over the last two and a half games, Ken Walker has 49 carries, 348 yards, 7.1 yards per carry, and five touchdowns. He has been as good as any running back in the league.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the phrase league winner gets thrown out a little bit too much, but I, I can say it with Ken Walker. He is a chance to be that guy. And it looks like the Detroit Carnival is dead. Long live the Seattle Carnival. This is the number one they can score. They can't stop the other guys from scoring. I know I know the Chargers didn't get as many points as we want to, although at least they did steer the ball to everybody we cared about. And hopefully Williams is healthy. But and I was also encouraged that Geno Smith played as well as he did with Metcalf leaving the game early and, and nobody wants to see DK Metcalf hurt. Yeah. Marquise Goodwin had those, you know, Marquise Goodwin still in the league. I mean, I think we all liked Marcus Goodwin <laughs> at one point in our fantasy lives. Yeah, And um, I, I I hate to think what this offense might be with Metcalf being out, but Gino Smith has been so, he is not pumpkined yet. I mean, I actually lost, I had a prop bet where I needed him to go over 225 with a couple of other things. And unfortunately, because the the Walker long touchdown and the game getting out of hand, Seattle didn't have to throw the ball proactively, but I mean, look at Gino tone 20, of 27, nothing wrong with that. Lockett was able to play. He got seven catches. They didn't go for a lot of yardage, a little bit of DJ Dallas on the ground, but the bottom line is, the, the two take was Seattle of this. And one, is you said, Walker is what we, he was billed as. I mean, he, he was a star at Michigan State. He was a down-ballot Heisman guy. And they drafted him with the idea that he could be a bell cow or, or you know, as close to a bell cow as anybody really gets anymore. And he certainly looks that part. The breakaway won't run late, but he looked good the whole game against the defense we respect. And Seattle is going to be, every week, I get a figure, in this low-scoring era, this low-scoring season, it's like the totals are coming down it's like 43 44 42 40 38. I always expect the Seattle game to be like 50 plus and you know yeah. this is another game that they sailed over the total and it's just so nice that a lot of times you know Seattle's the, the late game window so often and you have a, a week where things aren't going your way and you, you go on Yahoo and you see oh I'm project I have like a 25 percent chance to win you know I, I had a terrible one o'clock well if you look at Seattle game and play whether you're on Seattle or on the other side of it, you can, you can get those points back. You know, this this is like, it's like Coors Field, right? It's 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 like um you know the the Denver Nuggets, you know the, the team that just scores a lot of points, allows a lot of points. You know, um, it's, it's just so nice to have something reliable we can hang our hat on for offense in a year where there's been so little offense.
0: Yeah, hopefully the Metcalf um, injury is not serious. This is a game I did get to catch a little bit of once I landed and man Gino had some great throws in this game, which is so impressive because not only did, you know, we talk about DK Metcalf being injured, but Tyler Lockett was like super questionable. You know, I, I was out of town for a wedding and like, you know, the Saturday night, like a, a really scrolling through, you know, under the table. Right. And like reading all these Tyler Lockett updates. I'm like, man, I got Tyler Lockett on a lot of teams. Like, I, I don't know. I'm about to wake up tomorrow and like, you know, play somebody else right but he ends up gutting it out pretty surprisingly he ended up playing so despite all that though it does look like ken walker's taking over as the center of the universe there for that team so very impressive for Gino. very impressive for ken walker the chargers man just continue to suffer injuries uh jc jackson went down with a non-contact injury um he 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 suffered a serious one i can't remember the exact report but he you know he's gonna miss some time mike williams Looks like a high ankle sprain for him. He's probably going to miss some time right as they get Keenan Allen back. Just the Chargers, man. They're like biggest name players have all suffered some sort of injury this year. It's it's unbelievable the luck of that team.
1: Yeah, I think it's seeping into Justin Herbert, who did not play well against Denver last week. But you give Denver the defense a lot of the credit. You're supposed to go off against Seattle. And, And although the yardage was there, 5.7 5.7 attempt is not good no uh, you know uh, I'm sure Eckler's going to be in the in the cold tub for a while after getting 12 catches catching all of his Seriously, targets man, man. um a couple of touchdowns so he he put it up but the Chargers you know, they have an odd odd receiver room right I mean Evan Silva's talked about this all season like they could really use use a field stretcher I know it hurt to lose guyton in in a blowout by the way where they never should have had any but they should have been running the ball and getting on the bus anyway but this team really needs like you know, I don't know, Deshaun Jackson type of MVS yeah. type, just some, they don't have that. It's, it's a slow team. They should have been I, the I,
0: team that traded for Robbie Anderson. Scott, they, they should have.
1: Yeah. You know what? I I, I see that. and you The NFL trade deadline used to be a big nothing. And now it's, it's started to creep into some relevance. We have, well, we still have a few more days. Maybe they'll make a move for somebody. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe Denzel Mims could come over one of the jet receivers. I don't know. Although obviously Elijah Moore, they say they're not going to trade him. I, yeah. I, I, I take them at their word, but, I thought I had the Chargers going to the Super Bowl. Um, that's certainly a, a horrible prediction, although I, I got a lot of predictions wrong in this division. I also had Russell Wilson having a great year for Denver, and that's not going to happen. But this, so, there's a lot of things wrong with this Dem- with this San Diego team, San Diego, Los Angeles Char- uh, Chargers team. And, you know, it's they seem to get unlucky with injuries. They always seem to have an alignment getting hurt. You talked about Jackson getting hurt on a non-contact injury. Mike Williams... Was I think squarely in the top ten receiver conversation, and now that's probably out the window for a while. Allen didn't look like he was anywhere near a hundred percent today, so it's kind of par for the course. It just seems like a team that was born under a bad sign. The black cloud seems to follow the Chargers around.
0: There was a report from Ian Rapport this morning that Brandon Cooks, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy were all garnering some trade interest, like. I think the Chargers have to seriously consider making a move for a wide receiver, even KJ Hamler. I know that's in the same division though. So that's probably not going to happen, but like um, Brandon cooks would be really interesting. You know, a a speed guy. I'm not, I don't think cooks has played all that great, you know, from start to finish. Now now they might have a serious injury for Nico Collins too. So that's something to monitor as well. But man, I mean, the Chargers just, I totally agree with Evan's point. They lack speed like, and outside of Keenan Allen, like none of these dudes consistently separate. And this is an offense too, that has structural problems. I maintain that like, the way they the way they call plays for Herbert is is not great. Like it's a bunch of short stuff. It's a bunch of quick game, and it's just not like conducive to the 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 freak show that they have at quarterback. But I know they have protection issues, all this kind of stuff. So um, Chargers are a weird team. They continue to be a weird team and a very injured team. Let's move on to AFC North uh, matchup here. Ravens twenty three, Browns twenty. Um, the Gus Edwards thing, Scott. We talked about it a lot up top. I was surprised that like he. You know, getting that report early on, you know, before the game that oh he was going to run out as the first team back. I was surprised by that because you know maybe it's because of J.K. Dobbins and how cautious they had been with him, and frankly how cautious they've been with Gus Edwards. Like he was injured prior to Week One last year, and then he has this long recovery process. He's on the PUP, blah blah blah, and then he just goes out there and you know he wasn't like the runaway lead back or anything like that. But he was extremely he was heavily, heavily used. Uh sixteen carries, sixty-six yards, two touchdowns. I thought that was surprising. Um it's not as if he like I said he iced the other backs out of the rotation, but man, I will say this Gus Edwards has always balled when he's got opportunity. So um I feel pretty good about trusting him going forward even if I miss the boat. Really, like we all probably missed the boat in this one.
1: Yep. Yeah, he's a good back and he'll he'll have a lot of goal line equity very quietly Lamar Jackson has not been When he scores rushing touchdowns like the last year and a half, it's like a a long breakaway run. He's not punching in the short ones. And he actually, Lamar Jackson hasn't played that well. He had that early MVP buzz. He's been in kind of a funk for the last month. And I don't want to come down too hard on Jackson because, you know, I mean, they need Devin Duvernay to play a lot. Bateman got hurt right when he was kind of ready to spread his wings. Andrews is great. He did nothing today, of course, but Andrews is great. But I mean, you need more than one pitch. The Ravens, I don't think they've covered since the Patriots game either. They're a team, they won today. It was not impressive against a Cleveland team that was just dying to give the game away. And Baltimore did just enough to win. I I left this game not being impressed with either side. But as far as Edwards goes, the bottom line is this. If I told you that anytime I tell you the Ravens just scored a short touchdown, you're going to have to assume it's Gus Edwards. You're going to have to assume he is the 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 carry leader he's not gonna do anything in the past game he's targeted ones that went incomplete the the Ravens have generally never thrown to their backs in the Jackson era and I guess they just decide that Edwards doesn't really fit that but he's going to have 10 to 15 carry equity and goal line equity going forward for what I hope can be an offense that's in in the top half of the league or you know maybe even the top quarter of the league you know uh, because it's been broken for a while now it's been a lot of settle for Justin Tucker field goals and maybe getting Bateman back, you know, he's the guy he made a couple of plays early in this game and then he didn't do much later, but first game back. And, and again, I'm going to be cautious with guys. I, I a lot of people ask me about Bateman today Me too. Yeah, and I, I said, agree. they use the other guy and you know, it, it looks when it looks prudent and reasonable when the guy doesn't go off, when the guy has <laughs> yeah, the Gus right. Edwards game, it looks stupid. And what are you doing? And you know, nice Kenyon Drake video, but man, I, it, it's just so funny to be unimpressed by the Ravens when they won, but you know, right now Cleveland's defense can't do anything. And on the other side, you know, David Njoku was set up to be a right answer at tight end, and then he gets hurt in this game. It, he won't be the biggest injury news of the day, and I don't know. Hope, hopefully, it's not nothing major, but I was thinking David Njoku might be tight end three or tight end four, and then I, my heart sank when I heard that uh, he had left that game early.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they're saying it's not serious, um, which is good but he did leave the game in crutches in a walking boot so um you know he, we'll see he might miss a couple of weeks something like that just to circle back on the Rashad Bateman point Devin Duvernay ran more routes uh than Rashad Bateman did today played more snaps um you know th- you, like you said it's the inverse of the Gus Edwards thing Gus Edwards just gets thrown back out there after a long layoff Bateman was pretty much like a game day decision so that is a guy that you know regardless of what you think about Bateman like they need to get him going at some point they need to have that they need to have that breakout season happen. I think it was starting to happen, as you mentioned, just as he was heating up, he gets hurt. They've got to get that back on track because it's a big part of them, a big part of their success this year.
1: There's a guy i trade for. Not that the, uh, the Bateman manager is like dying to get rid of him, but because he had a quiet onboard back, I would try to see if you could maybe the Bateman manager is a little bit frustrated by it. And because Baltimore, they just don't want him to be good and believe in him. They actually, they really need him to be good.
0: Yeah, that's 100% uh right. And on the brown side man, like uh it's it's bad, dude. Like uh, you know, this was supposed to be a team that could like tread water until Deshaun Watson comes back. Um and their defense is they're they're so they're bad. Like teams guys actively go there and get worse. Like John Johnson played really well for the Rams, hasn't played well for Cleveland. You know, they had Troy Hill who also came over for the Rams, what goes back to the Rams like there's a lot of players that are regressing on that defense right now, and that's a unit that, like, whoever is going against the Browns break ties in favor of, like, getting those guys in your fantasy lineup. That's the biggest story from the Gus Edwards thing. Like, he, could, Kenny Drake easily could have had this game if Gus Edwards wasn't active because the Browns are that bad as a rushing defense. And on their offensive side, yeah, if David Njoku's hurt, like... It's going to be the Amari Cooper show and nothing else and even when even when Watson's back that's not good enough that's not good enough. Um
1: they should, the Cleveland should really trade a running back. They're 2 and 5. I, I Chubb agree. Chubb is wonderful. He's not going anywhere. So Kareem Hunt somebody should be interested in him. Dearness Johnson's a decent player. If I were the Rams, I'd rather have Dearness Johnson than anybody they have in their room. I'd certainly rather have him than Cam Akers. Of course the Rams don't seem to want Cam Akers hunt gets out of this game with six touches he gets the touchdown deodorant but he still had what eight total yards i mean you know i kareem hunt man he's not playable he, he can score zero points in any week i i wonder if cleveland makes a move with their season they're going to get watson back too late to, to fix anything and the afc has too many good teams anyway
0: yep couldn't agree more all right next game up Bengals 35 falcons 17 uh the Bengals are back scott
1: Bengals are back. I mean, the appendectomy for Burrow, the moving parts of the offensive line, they took 13 sacks the first two weeks. But things have gelled. Burrow, man, did their season ever change when he showed up in the LSU jersey last week for Chase? Chase (laughs) has been dynamic for two weeks in a row. Chase did leave this game briefly, and we all held our breath, but he's fine. And Cincinnati's got such a tight, concentration right i mean when when burrow throws a touchdown pass it, it's not the samaj Perine. ryan it's 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 the chase it today boyd got in the fun you know higgins still had a good game he didn't score you're a little disappointed when they throw for 481 that he didn't get in on it but whatever i'm not feeling bad for anybody who got 93 yards from their receiver yeah, no. mixing gets most of the backfield touches on the flip side all of fantasy twitter wants to know arthur smith you trailed. You basically trailed the moment you got off the bus. And look, I get it. Marcus Mariota has his limitations. He did take three sacks. How do oh, yeah. you throw 13 passes in a game that you're behind multiple scores pretty much the moment that the ball was kicked off? How can you justify that? How can you justify one target for Drake London? How can you justify five targets, nine yards for Kyle Pitts? And look, I get it. A lot of the passes were off target. This offense still looks when they try to throw the ball – they still look like they met five minutes before the game and everything, but you got to try to fight back, man. You got yeah. to go down swinging. You got to go down flaccoing, right? Remember the Jets early on, the first three yeah. weeks where Flacco was 250 passes a game? Try. What are you doing, man? You're just trying to cover. You're just trying to get out of it. I mean, look, I get it. At the end of the game, you give up. I mean, I, I killed the Chargers for having people on the field, for having Herbert on the field late in the blowout game earlier this season. I understand. Late in the fourth quarter, you're out, call off the dogs. I'm fine with that. But you can't have a game like this that's lopsided and throw 13 passes. I think that's an embarrassment, and that's a condemnation against Arthur Smith. I I wanted to believe—you never know with these coordinators, right? I mean, Brian Dable, I'll say a lot of nice things about him in a little bit, but I wanted to believe that Arthur Smith was a really good hire. I I don't think I'm—this is not a hot take. It's it's a consensus take now. He doesn't have a skeleton key for Kyle Pitts. He doesn't have a skeleton key for Drake London, and— I know they had covered every week before this week, and and the running game does do some interesting things. But at this point, I just want to see Ritter play at some point. I I don't think Mariota has any upside.
0: Yeah, I mean, Drake London runs around on 94.7% of the dropbacks, but that's only 18 routes on the day. That's just – it's crazy. And, yeah, if you don't trust Marcus Mariota – and I've defended Arthur Smith because I really, really like the bones of his offense. I really like – the structure of it, I like how good they are as a run, as a rushing team. But man, it's just if you can't pass the ball or won't pass the ball when you're this far back, like on the scoreboard, when are you ever gonna do it? If you can't, if you're not gonna do it, why is that? Because do you just straight up not trust Marcus Mariota that much? Because if you don't, then yeah, it's time to put Desmond Ritter in there and like see what see what you got. Although you know Arthur Smith was pretty much. Heavily eye-rolling to any uh, you know Desmond Ritter question leading up into the season. So I'm not sure when we'll see Ritter. Uh, and I'm not sure that this offense will look that much different with him in there. Um, I just feel like for Drake London, for Kyle Pitts, like – you can never rely if you couldn't play them in this moment you can probably never reliably play them again now they're gonna have breakout moments right because those guys are good especially drake london will have his big games like he had earlier in the season but you're never gonna be able to predict them coming so like enjoy him in best ball and go trade for him in dynasty at the end of the year like that's kind of how i feel about uh drake london once they have a real adult quarterback in there that that's kind of where i'm at and yeah I'm, I'm, the Bengals just feel great it feels good to have the Bengals back again it feels good that jamar chase like they're getting him those catch and run opportunities rather than just trying to um force it from a go ball perspective.
1: Let me ask you a cute little question here. Rest of season, would you rather have Kyle Pitts or Hayden Hurst? <laughs> oh God. You're thinking about it, aren't you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to think about it. I'm I'm probably gonna say I mean, I'm probably gonna say Kyle Pitts, just because like the longer that uh these Bengals go, like the the less Hurst will be involved. You know, I mean he has six catches in this game, which is great. Like you'll take that from a tight end perspective, but it's not
1: really what you want.
0: And but then again, it's not what you got from Pitts today is not really what you want. What do you I, what I do you know.
1: think Pitts is going forward? Court, tight end eight, tight end twelve, tight end fifteen. Where would you slot him if you were ranking tight ends? And I I know you love yeah. to rank you love to rank fantasy players, one of your favorite things to do.
0: It's definitely one of my favorite things to do. I think from like a rest of season rankings perspective, he'd be somewhere around like ten to twelve. That sounds about right um you know it, the options behind him aren't that great it's just it's it, but he's not that great so i don't know what to do there
1: it's just hard it's hard the the point i guess the point is with Pitts, is titan gets so ugly early that by the moment if we were redrafting by the moment Pitts becomes somebody you'd consider taking all you care about is upside all you're trying to yeah. tell yourself a story is could this player be explosive and the thing with hayden hurst and i did ask the question legitimately i wasn't trying to you know have a gag or anything, but you know, Hurst can no, only be real. a single. There's no, it's not like, oh yeah, you know, if this and this and this happened, Hayden Hurst would be tight end four. That's not in his range of outcomes. It's still in Kyle Pitts's range of outcomes that we could be like, we could be looking back and saying, aren't you glad you waited this out? I and mean, maybe we won't say that, but at least it's a chance of it. Where with Hayden Hearst, you might say, oh, you know, he might have like, th- like the Austin Hooper seasons. He used to have in Atlanta where he'd catch like 72 passes. He'd get like 650 yards and like six touchdowns. I'm like, oh yeah He was like tight end seven. That was nice. It didn't win me anything. And, you know, in the playoffs, he had 22 yards, whatever. I'm not mad at at, uh, Hooper. I'm not really glad about Hooper. He was just a guy who was on my team. That's what Hayden Hurst kind of feels like right now. I mean, he's doing fine. I'm sure he's inside the top 10 cut line. But I can't imagine you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I picked up. I made that trade for Hurst. I I spent that fab on Hurst. And, you know, look at me passing teams. I still have to at least hold on to the idea that Kyle Pitts at some point could be a thing. I hate saying it, though, because I I hate believing this offense, but here we are.
0: Agree, and at least we have, like, a quarterback change to maybe potentially tell us that that's, like, a good thing. But who knows? That might be a lateral move or even worse. Like, it can always get worse. Um, Things got worse for the Jets. They get another win. That's great. But they lose their rookie sensation running back to... What Robert Sala suspects an ACL tear for Brees Hall. He had four carries, seventy-two yards, and a rushing touchdown in this game before going out. And man, it just sucks because Brees Hall was one of the most electric players in the NFL. You know, I've geeked out about his like air yards per target all year long. Um, and you know, the Jets. I think it's fair to say have won in in spite of, or certainly not because of, their young quarterback the last uh, the last stretch of games here. But man. They, they completed three passes beyond five air yards today, Scott, the the New York Jets. like that's, But that's they're going to need more of that going forward because they don't have Brees Hall anymore.
1: Yeah, what a shame. I mean, he looked like the biggest difference maker in this class. And I think he beat his rushing prop on just four carries. You know, he breaks off a long touchdown run. If you have Michael Carter, man, you, you just stepped into a really valuable. Michael Carter's good. Brees Hall He's is good, great. Yeah. A healthy Brees Hall is a great player. Michael Carter is a good player on a team that needs to hide its quarterback, on a team that has a real interesting, fun defense. Playmakers on all three levels. Sauce Gardner is, is probably going to be the defensive rookie of the year, certainly in the conversation. He's long. He's fast. They erased Cortland Sutton. To, I mean, I get it. I mean, Brett Ripon was playing. I mean, it's not like anybody. Yeah. This this game had 69 kind of written all over it before they kicked it off. So
0: Scott, I think um, you could argue that before the Brees Hall injury, they the Jets had the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year on one. I mean, that's not going to happen anymore because of the Hall injury, but these young guys were the core of the Jets.
1: Sure, I, I looked at. Um, I was looking up the, the the Pepsi Rookie of the Week over the last year and a half, and the Jets have won it like eight or nine times because they they have wow. so many interesting young players. Unfortunately, one of the interesting young players, though he's been Rookie of the Week a few times last year, uh, Zach Wilson, man, they are hiding him. He looks wow. like a guy. Or If you told me, uh, you know, pick pick out the starter and the backup in this game, who's the guy who's playing because the guy behind of him is hurt. You can say Zach Wilson. He doesn't look good. It it kills the value of Wilson. It kills the value of. Uh, obviously, Elijah Moore isn't isn't happy right now. Corey Davis got hurt in this game. I've always been kind of politicking for him to get traded, but we'll see if anything happens to the Mims trade talk. And you know, when Brett Ripon got the start for Denver, I was just you know Wilson's hurt. there's to me, it was almost like a Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum thing, where it's like, okay, I, I'm not saying that Case Keenum's anything great, but Baker Mayfield's hurt. Maybe just playing a healthy quarterback might be the right thing to do. And uh, Ripon looked really bad. Uh, you know, when when they got when the Broncos had that looked like an interception. They overturned it. They got the ball back. I thought to myself, the chances of Denver scoring here are still 0% yeah. and ripping through like a, a prayer ball down the field. That was like nowhere close to being complete to Hamler. Hamler may have been interfered on the play, but this just defense is nasty and they're going to be tricky for fantasy because again, they want to throw What Wilson throw today. He threw uh, tw- actually 26 passes, which is more than I thought. They, they probably 20 is probably a good target for them. Carter's going to be a big winner. You can't play any of their pass guys. And, you know, the Broncos, they got nothing going on the ground. I mean, you know, uh, Gordon got 11 carries. They went nowhere. Murray punched in the touchdown. Nobody could have played him reliably. I, I did like the way Dulcich played for the second straight week. So in yeah. a year where we're sc- screaming for anything at tight end, he's something. And he's done it with the quarterback play being poor. So, I mean, he'll probably be inside my tight end one cut line next week. And I did like he's one of the videos I did this week. He didn't really win anything for you, but he at least probably outkicked what his ranking was or what his projection was that at tight end. That's something we'll take all we can get. But if they played this game 20 times, Matt, I think 16 to nine or 10 to seven, or, <laughs> you know, it would, it would be that type of game. All, you know, both of these teams don't have anything going downfield. They have good receiver talent that is going to be sunk. Yeah. I mean, Judy made a couple of plays today, but I don't see how you can start anybody reliably in this Denver passing game.
0: Nathaniel Hackett said after the game that, um, They suspect Russell Wilson is looking like he's going to come back in week eight. We'll see uh, after Russell Wilson got. The most detailed uh, he's-not-going-to-play announcement from Adam Schefter of all time, of all time over the weekend, Scott, this morning. Um, we'll see. We'll see if Russ plays next week. Uh, the backfield remains a little bit muddy uh, with Melvin Gordon 13 touches, Latavius Murray 10 touches. Mike Boone gets hurt in this game, so maybe that narrows it down to two guys on a bad offense. Still don't like that very much. And The next three games for the Jets, Patriots twice, Bills. Zach Wilson going to see a lot more good defenses, so we'll see. He's going to have to step up at some point. And, uh, you know, I'm not totally ruling it out because I do like this coaching staff. Do really like um, Mike LaFleur. Do really like uh, the way Robert Sala has those guys playing on defense. So we'll see if that ecosystem can continue to get better in New York. All right, Scott and I are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to recap the Cowboys and the Lions game. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Scott, I was in uh, I was in Austin uh, in the airport, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier. So I saw a good bit of this game. My big takeaway, I'm curious what, what you thought on, on the Lions side, on the Cowboys side to me. It was like, okay, Dak doesn't look great. They didn't really need him to look great. You know, nevertheless, like... They still get the win here. Uh and my God, Michael Gallup, zero catches. I was so excited about Michael Gallup. I feel like a total idiot. It's not Scott, I know you were talking about off the top the Kenyon Drake thing. Nothing feels worse than when you hype a guy on Sunday morning on fantasy football live and he literally puts up as many catches as I did in this game. That is like a well, I landed to that news like, oh great. Cool. I am so smart.
1: Yeah, this was a, this was a frustrating one because we thought we could hang our hat on the Lions, would would be like, you know, the carnival like Seattle is, they can score, they can allow it. And even if Detroit wasn't gonna show up, and maybe there are just too many injuries. You know, I mean St. Brown gets hurt early in this game. Swift obviously was scratched beforehand. There's only so many talented players you can take off an offense. Maybe we were spoiled the weeks they got by with their less than hundred percent you know personnel grouping and all that, but I mean, Dallas gets really nothing out of this game. Zeke punches in a couple of short touchdowns and, and somehow took a hit to the knee. I saw that. And I'm like, oh my God. yeah. Is Zeke done for the year? I just looked so hellacious. And then a few snaps later, he's back on the field. I I, I don't know. If I took one NFL hit, I would never walk again. But uh, it just shows you how tough these guys are. But they didn't have to do, they didn't have to show much to win this game. You know, Dak looked okay. He didn't throw that many balls. You know, Lamb had a solid game, but it, it just they knew early on that uh, you know, 20 points was more than enough to beat Detroit. And so they, they just said, okay, we'll, we'll solve this game away on the ground. We'll, we'll just kind of, you know, is that is that Dak can only you know take him up the second gear or whatever it is, but we don't have to do everything. seems like every time it looks like Dalton Schultz is going to get out of his own way. Something goes wrong. He pulls up lame or, you know, um, a, a different tight end gets the touchdown. I thought both of these teams were going to be different in construction and composition than they have been the last few weeks. Now with Dallas, it's because Prescott wasn't playing, but, I think, I think the Lions' carnival is dead. And even when they get Swift back, and even when they, I don't know, St. Brown now, I guess he's going to be iffy for a few weeks. I, and who knows if Swift, what, he'll come back, what level of um, physical fitness he'll have when he comes back. We know Detroit is a good offensive line. But um, a month ago, I thought this was going to be the carnival of all carnivals. And, and now it's like they've scored zero and six points in back-to-back games. And their defense actually held up today, which is a bad you know sign for fantasy as well. Yeah, it really is. Um, we'll see what this
0: team looks like when it gets healthy. I'm glad you talked about Zeke because Andy Barons, you know, the great Andy Barons, talked uh, about Zeke a lot this week as a real winner here with Dak Prescott coming back. And that was a great call. You know, he needs that touchdown equity. He got it. Uh, obviously, this is a gettable matchup, of course, with the Detroit Lions defense, even if they look, you know, somewhat decent today. You know, things are setting up well for Zeke. Like, it's not going to be pretty. But I really feel like Zeke is gonna be an RB2 the rest of the season and like a guy that you actually are pretty glad that you have on your team, even if he is never ever gonna have the ceiling that he once had. But that's why you drafted him in like round four, round five, or something like that. Um, you know, at the most round three in, in like a, a more casual league, something like that. So feel pretty good if you got Zeke on your team and you know what the Cowboys direction is at this point. All right, Commander's 23, Packers 21. Scott, let me tell you what. Different points in this game was starting. I did not think this was going to be the result. A, get a commander's victory thanks to ODU's finest.
1: Yeah, Green Bay had, I think, a multiple-score lead before Heineke even completed a pass. But then the commanders ended up getting the win. Rodgers looks... Man, he, he just looks checked out. He, he looks frustrated. He, he looks three or four years older than he really is. It's hard to believe he won the last two MVPs. Obviously, Adams isn't here. But there's so many things wrong with this team. And, you know, I did say... I didn't want to play McLaurin this week. And we, you know, we love Terry McLaurin. We spent yeah. many, you know, many hours together talking about how much we love this guy. And in a couple of different years, he's been my most rostered or about my most rostered receiver. But McLaurin said after the game, you know, he, he knows that Heineke will just throw the ball up to him and give him a chance to make a play. And that's all he's ever wanted as a receiver. And maybe I underestimated, look, I don't think Heineke played well today, mm-hmm. but if he's just going to like have that Jameis Winston YOLO, Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if the plays here or not terry but i'm throwing it up there you go make a play man or draw a flag or do something good and if they pick it off they pick it off if he's just going to play like that and not worry about making mistakes maybe it's just better for mclaurin and i have to accept that the efficiency might go down but the opportunity the target share could go up and all and you know mclaurin managers will take that so um, i'll own the mclaurin and i'm happy to see mclaurin play well um i didn't Again, didn't rank him proactively. I, I said he was somebody I wouldn't start proactively this week, and he had a good game. Never surprised when he plays well, but I, it's weird because I feel like I was right about Heineke in the sense that he didn't play well. But maybe I was wrong about Heineke in the sense that he would just say, okay, McLaurin's my guy. I'm peppering him off the bus.
0: Yeah, that was, that was my analysis of McLaurin on uh, FFL this morning was like, Taylor Heineke is his guy. He's he's going to just throw to Terry McLaurin. That's exactly what we got. 24% target share for McLaurin today. He was around like 16%, you know, 15% targets per route run with Carson Wentz this year. I'm with you, man. I mean, Taylor Heineke is at best a solid backup nfl quarterback who plays like he like he literally plays like he's patrick Mahomes, like he thinks he's patrick Mahomes, but he physically is you know about as far away as it possibly could be from an arm strength perspective from a just a skill set perspective overall uh, but he does play fearlessly and that's pretty good for terry McLaurin, man you know curtis Samuel still gets a ton of targets in this game as well that's great like those are the two guys you should be throwing the ball to when Jahan Dotson's out. So good on you, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke. I think that he is good news for Terry McLaurin, and you know, I feel better about him as like a still probably a volatile uh, wide receiver too, but a wide receiver too with Taylor Heineke going forward in the backfield um, for Washington. I think we might have a little bit of like a sort of like a Zeke Pollard thing going on here uh, with the two backs there. Brian Robinson gets 20 carries, only averages 3.6 yards per carry. You know, Antonio Gibson, 5.9 yards per carry. But it's very clear those are the roles that they want those backs in. Like, Brian Robinson, the grinder, carries. Antonio Gibson, like, as more of a change of pace back, which might be the best thing for Antonio Gibson. I don't know. You could argue that with your couch. It's probably not going to change. On the Green Bay side, man, our our Aaron Jones team, Scott, finally got a big boost here with nine catches and two touchdowns. That's great to see. Probably going to be more of that if Alan Lazard's injury is serious because Lazard was far and away the only receiver in the dot circle of trust for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, at this point, man, Romeo Dobbs has really fallen off after a couple of good games to start. I think he's only caught like four of his last 13 targets or something like that. Zero catches in this game. Um, you know, and Sammy Watkins returns off short-term IR, two catches, 36 yards. Man, the Packers, like. I was down on the Packers this year. I wish I had let this bleed into my Aaron Jones analysis a little more, because just so much of their offense was ba- was just Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers and like their relationship, their on field relationship. That it almost feels like insane that the Packers are just like, okay, we'll tra- we'll trade you to the Raiders because that's where you want to go play. It just, it in hindsight, it seems really insane because they've got nothing good going on there at this point.
1: No, I I was debating on Twitter with some people, which offense is more broken, Green Bay or Tampa Bay? And the most common answer was yes, because <laughs> people just want to basically, you know, dance on both graves and I get it. Right. The, the funny thing about Jones is that he had, the, he had a game today. Look, when, when you running back catches two touchdown passes, you're, you know, you're living right. You know, you, things really fell right for you. That, that is fortunate. But the, I wasn't surprised by the 10 targets and nine catches. I, I thought he'd have a lot of games where it was like 50-50 run use and pass use and he would catch maybe 70 or 80 balls. And there's been weeks where that hasn't been the case at all. At least they steered into that today. I mean, look, it went 5.3 yards per target. So it's not like he was Marshall Falk out there or Christian McCaffrey out there. But on a team that doesn't have options on the outside, you know, Tunyon went back to being a pumpkin today and they got Lazard hurt. And, you know, uh, Dobbs has been a real frustrating player for a few weeks now and nowhere near the circle of trust. At least Aaron Jones, I can say to myself, okay, who won this, who won the skill position list. Do I really trust who should be the featured guy in the offense? And it should be Aaron Jones. Yeah. And so at least, at least that's something we could feel good about today is that they went back to using proactively their best offensive player, At what point do we throw in the towel on A.J. Dillon, man? I know nothing in the past game, 4 for 15 on the ground. I mean, he was drafted the sixth round. The the whole idea was that he was going to have standalone value no matter what happened to Jones. And right now, A.J. Dillon has no value.
0: I think that was all based on this offense being good. And this offense is Mm -hmm. so, so far from good. Um, I think he is sort of going to be in that like contingent value only type of guy, like very tone. I mean, but you'd much rather have Tony Pollard than AJ
1: Dillon at this point. At least you could play Tony Pollard for sure. That's not even close to me. Tony 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 Pollard for sure. He's he's maybe he's the guy that we thought Dylan was going to be, Uh, even though nobody thinks he's going to, they're going to play the Zeke's contract and Zeke has been fine. Zeke has played well. Just Pollard looks more, explosive and more exciting per touch although zeke also has the burden of the heavier touches it's like a baseball thing where it's harder to throw 180 innings than it is 75 out of the bullpen so it's a little bit apples and oranges Uh, dylan right now as you said contingent value only be fair bakhtiar did not play he's obviously the key to their offensive line but even when he's played this year they haven't gotten a good push anyway
0: yeah, he's kind of like Jeff Wilson, basically. I think AJ Dillon, like he's an injury upside guy
1: only. God, like, you're, you he, know what? You, you say that and it makes me want to throw up, but you're right. that That's a, fa- that's a fair comp.
0: Yeah, like the, you never want to play Jeff Wilson again. You probably should never want to play AJ Dillon again at this point. All right, let's move on to those bucks that you mentioned, dude. Uh, yikes. (laughs) You just the Panthers just admitted they're like full on rebuilding by trading their best player away, or at least by for sure their best offensive player, Christian McCaffrey, for a boatload of draft picks. And you lose to them 21 to three, dude. My god, Tampa Bay, and other than the witchcraft stuff which we have covered extensively on this show, and I continue to see other media outlets start talking about this, you must credit me, you must credit the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, and you must credit my wife. Those are the rules if you're going to write about this story in sports media. I'm being a little facetious. But regardless, other than the witchcraft thing, Scott, What is that.
1: I'm sorry. I missed that. What is, what is the witchcraft story?
0: So, uh, yeah. So I pr- primarily talked about this with Dalton on, on the show. But there you can go and find all these stories for the uninitiated out there that, you know, Tom, Giselle is a witch like she would do these protective spells and like b- like Tom Brady has given her a lot of credit for some of his success uh, like after the Rams Super Bowl he talked about it. like she basically said to him you were lucky that you married such a good witch or whatever and now that their you know relationship is severing oh, all these protective spells are coming off of Tom Brady and uh it's the phrase in the spiritual community uh the witchcraft community as my wife has told me from various outlets, is she's t- Giselle is taking her power back, and that's why Tom Brady is having this season. Other than that explanation, Scott, though, wh- what excuse does Tampa Bay have to be this bad?
1: So instead of talking about the quarterback board, we're talking about the Ouija board? Is, is that where, you, where we're getting out of this? The, the, we could is this witchcraft like, kind of thing going to go away after Halloween? Will Tom Brady be better in November?
0: No. I, I don't. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think he needs to... <laughs> Maybe he needs to fix his marriage. Uh, Like he came back for this. Came back Uh, for this. Gone
1: from the goat. Does the goat need to sacrifice a goat? I mean, they have to have a seance in Tampa Bay. How do you fix this? I don't know. Um,
0: I. I am thankfully not that far embedded in this world, although my house does look more like a Luray Caverns and I'd like to admit to so, so, the crystals. So when
1: when Brady throws this long pass to Mike Evans, so Giselle like, like twitches her nose like bewitched and Mike Evans doesn't catch it? No, it's
0: not quite that. It's not like that witch type stuff. It's more of... Like the manifest very Aaron Rodgers-ish, by the way. Like the manifestation part of it and the energy that was directed yeah, new, into New Agey, yeah. Yes, yes. More of that maybe, type of stuff. Maybe some but...
1: candles in the huddle would help. And by the way, uh, congratulations to the, to the three people listening who understood the Bewitch reference. Um, <laughs> Elizabeth Montgomery. Um man, yes. Maybe you just know it's not your day when when Mike Evans is, you know, behind he's behind the Carolina defense by like 10, 10 yards, walk in touchdown. Yeah. The ball's thrown perfectly. It's got plenty of air under it. And I, I actually think the official maybe gotten Evans's sight line and, and the official kind of like should get the pass breakup credit. And then for the rest of the day, you 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 even kick a give up field goal at the end of the game to not get shut out. Now we we all oh. knew Carolina's defense. I know they don't have the greatest DVOA rank, but it's been a case of the defense is actually okay. It's just the weight of the offense has made it collapse at times this year. But the defensive unit has good pieces and You've talked about the next good Carolina team may not be that far off because you could see the defense being good. What I couldn't see today, OK, I'm not even that shocked that Tampa Bay's offense stunk this much because, I again, I respect Carolina's defense, and I think Tampa Bay's offense had been showing cracks in the foundation all year. That didn't shock me. What shocked me is Dante Foreman running for a buck sixteen. What shocked me is, is Chuba Hubbard running for seven yards a carry. What shocked me is DJ Moore, who I finally said, okay, I give up. I keep starting him. Yeah. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing expecting different results. I have better receivers to play than him. I, I got to stop this. Um, I'm just going to bench him. And I guess what you, if you you bench Moore, you kind of hope he has a game that can show some faith. Although with PJ Walker's the quarterback, how can you you really feel that good about it? But I thought. Andy thought this too, that that maybe the right answer in the Carolina backfield was nobody and maybe the right move would be to trade them before they have a chance to expose themselves as frauds. And I, I don't know, man. Maybe they were just so happy. You know, maybe once they fired their coach and they traded McCaffrey, maybe just squarely puts the accountability on the players. Like, well, there's nowhere else to hide. We can't blame it on yeah, you know, we can't blame it on rule anymore. We can't blame it on all, yeah. you know, McCaffrey's the, the guy who overwhelms the rest of us. Or maybe he's used to a point of exclusion to other guys. I don't know. Um, not the, the Tampa Bay, Carolina part of it, Tampa Bay on offense, didn't, didn't shock me. A little surprising, sure. Nobody expected three points for sure. But I didn't think there'd be so much fantasy play fantasy playability from the Carolina offense. I thought this was the worst offense in football. And they sure didn't look like it today. I mean, they were one of the better offenses in football today. Certainly fantasy friendly.
0: Yeah, Steve Wilkes had those guys fired up after the game as well. Um, you know, I, I do think that DJ Moore, because no more Robbie Anderson, because no more Christian McCaffrey, can be back like on the wide receiver three radar. I don't know. I wanna don't I want to get super high on DJ Moore again. He's not gonna lead the NFL receiving yards. Scott. I'll tell you that. No, but, but the <laughs> target
1: share, 10 targets on 22 yeah. passes, man. Yeah, give me some of that. Yeah, that's huge.
0: Um the backfield, as you mentioned, was a little more Dante Foreman leaning, despite the fact that Chuba Hubbard was the nominal starter. That doesn't really matter. Last thing on the Bucks, I just wanted to make this point before we got out of here. Like, I agree with you that the the Panthers being as good was more surprising than the Bucks being bad. But I don't. I, I'm just kind of curious how far this can go for Tampa Bay because you know before this week. Todd Bowles said, like, the old guys here need to stop living off their Super Bowl reputations. Um, He said after this game uh, that they're in, quote, a dark place right now, and they have to see if older guys can still play and if the young guys are good enough to play. That's really surprising from a veteran-laden team that has Tom Brady coming back at quarterback. They just feel like they're in a – beyond the witchcraft stuff, feel like they're in a very, very weird – Energy setting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, and I'm not really sure what to make about them. They're another team that I wish we had focused more on the fact that Green Bay was losing the best wide receiver in football and was therefore had to take a monumental step back as an offense. I I, I don't know if this team. I think like casting Bruce Arians aside might have been a mistake for this team. Cause they don't look as well coached. They don't look as organized. They don't look as prepared. And I think that end up, is going to end up being a bigger deal
1: than perhaps people thought. Um, I know it's unfair to ask binary questions, but I'm going to play the binary question game, Matt. And I'll do it with, with both of these teams. Cause they're linked together. When we look back at the end of the season with the green Bay Packers, are we going to say that, Hey, they fixed it or no, they didn't fix it.
0: I, th- I think I have a little, I, I, I think, I think they fix it, but not in, not their, all. I don't think they fix their offense. I think they can fix their team, but not their offense.
1: They quasi fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to look back at the Tampa Bay offense only and say they fixed it or they didn't fix it?
0: I, I think no, I think no. But I don't. You know what? Actually, I'm going to amend that. I don't have. I don't have faith in either of these teams right now. Uh, I'm going to go with no on both counts. I'm going to go with no on both counts. I don't know what their other. I don't know what their answer. You know, I, you'd like to at least tell yourself a story about what the answer is going to be.
1: I don't know what the answer would be for these two teams. I, I guess this is. I, I said this was the binary question game, and I'm going to like get totally hedgy and and screw up the theme of the game. But here's the way I look at it. I, I wouldn't be that surprised if one of them fixed it. I'd be shocked if both of them fixed it. And I think it's plausible that neither of them fix it. Yep. I think that's exactly right. All
0: right. Last three games we got here. We can go a little faster through these ones. For sure. Um, Daniel Jones gets a big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Giants 23.
1: He's playing Jackson. well, man. He's playing he has, well. He has so little yeah. help. And Dable's coaching <laughs> his butt off, man. You know, the as a, Giants are 6-1, right? And what do they yep. have for fantasy? Barkley's automatic. Nobody even asks you anymore. And Daniel Jones is quasi-startable in deep leagues. And and that's it. I mean, I know Wondell Robinson was was good early in this game. Th- then he got hurt. Uh, yeah, Slayton, yeah. good week, bad week, good week. I, I hope. I mean, I like Darius Slayton. I just don't think the Giants like him enough that he's going to be, you know, circle of trust. He's going to be somebody you can count on. I'm trying to imagine a team that's six and one and has less fantasy juice than this team. I mean, even the Jets. I mean, when Brees Hall was healthy, you you can tell yourself a story that they had him and maybe one of the receivers would have a week or something. The Giants have a horrible, and horrible receiver room and talk about again there's guys out there claypool's yeah. out there the patriots would trade one of their guys and I, I know you might laugh at their their receiver room all of them would be an upgrade for the giants right yeah, they, they need to be. do something they 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 have a team that can beat the nfc so watered down right now go out and get somebody i agree with you and and they just look
0: so good. They look so well-coached. So, they look the opposite of Tampa Bay, where they look organized, on time, and in rhythm with their own weird little identity. Yeah, Wanda Robinson, shame. Hopefully that's not a, a big-time injury because he was getting peppered early on. On the Jaguars' side, Travis Etienne... <laughs> Congrats to every single fantasy analyst that told you to to buy low on Travis Etienne and sell high on James Robinson. You all got that right. Congratulations. 14 carries, 140 114 yards of the ground, rushing touchdown. Does go one for five as a receiver, not a deal there. Um, Christian Kirk also, I do think, made for a good trade target coming into this game. Has seven catches, 96 yards. And again, the theme here is both Zay Jones and Marvin Jones played which bumps Christian Kirk's slot rate up. We talked about this last week. Scott, 67% of his snaps came in the slot, did Christian Kirk today. So that's the key for Christian Kirk. Like, they has to be a 60%-plus slot player for this team.
1: Yeah, that's why we count on you to, to, to notice that type of stuff. James Robinson didn't get hurt, right? They just decided not to use him at one yeah, touch? Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I, I think – I still think this is – and I, I was one of the, you know, I was proactive towards ETN. I thought Robinson was a sell high again. And th- you have to get in line for that take. But I don't think the answer is having ETN be the bell cow. I, the, he can be the 60 40, he can be 65 35. But James Robinson should ever roll on this team, too. Trevor Lawrence is just a step forward. I mean, I, you would like to see more than 17 points, but um, Evan Ingram had a solid revenge. Again, I, t- tight end against 50 or 60 yards. I want to start hugging strangers. That's where we are <laughs> yeah. in 2022. But I, I want to believe that Lawrence is, can be you know, a 10-year starter, if not a, a star. You know, um, Maybe he's not going to be Andrew Locke or Peyton Manning or whatever he's billed to be, but I don't know. How do we take this? Was this a, a gain for him, a step forward? How do you take it?
0: I think so, and I think we're just looking for little moments like that when this team is even – somewhat functional you know i think they so so badly need a outside x receiver Uh, like i said marvin jones playing should not be a big deal but it is just so you can get your best player in his right position in christian kirk that's where this team is right now like we're gonna we are gonna have to take like like minute small gains throughout the course of the season i do think that's this moment for trevor lawrence i agree with you okay moving on next game up here raiders 38 texans 20 i thought about this As I was leaving the airport, you know, looking at Josh Jacobs box score, similar, you know, schools here in the Alabama stuff. But Josh Jacobs sort of kind of reminds me of Mark Ingram, like, but maybe even to a slightly different degree, because you remember, like, Scott, when Mark Ingram's career started with the New Orleans Saints, he was just whatever, like an extremely replaceable player. But I'll never forget. I think it was my first year at NFL Network. I'm going to bring up Chris Wessling's name again. I you know I was, just did this a couple podcasts ago. The, the late great Chris Wessling. Like I remember him hammering the point home that like Mark Ingram looked like a different player in preseason. Like he looked like he was running differently, more authoritatively. And you know Andy has pointed out many times, definitely leading up into this year, that Josh Jacobs has always run really well. But my god, he certainly looks like a different for whatever reason, different, more more dialed in, more focused, more motivated, whatever. I don't know what it is, type of player. Similar to I think Mark Ingram's sort of like first big breakout year with the Saints when he was looking like a pretty disappointing first round pick like for the New Orleans Saints and and then he just took his game to the next level and obviously he's still in the league at this point. Um so I feel like Josh Jacobs has really turned his career around and and he's going to be like we said before, league winner gets uh, tossed around lightly where you took him. Like he's going to be a huge value this year in fantasy.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, one of the dead zone guys and I was one of my, one of Andy's great takes, one of my worst takes I wasn't drafting Jacobs. And we know that his touchdown counts tend to come in Raider wins, but I mean, we could get to that beforehand, right? You, you know, Houston is a seven point underdog. He's probably going to be a game. The Raiders win and Jacobs goes crazy. And And, and the big thing too, because he always has, the rushing equity and he always has the goal line equity, but he's not a zero in the past game anymore. They're comfortable to use him proactively there where in, in the past they weren't. And it's not like they have receivers coming out of their ears. You know, Ren- Renfro's had stops and starts. You know, I know Matt Collins kind of had a ghost touchdown today, but, and obviously Adams is going to do Adams things. Eventually they'll get Waller back, but there's room. There's a, plausible chance for Jacobs to get like 70, you know, 60, 70 catches, something like that. And all we wanted, if you rostered him, was just not be a zero in the past game. He's not, he's he's playing for, you know, whatever his next contract is uh, maybe it won't be with the Raiders. That's fine. They obviously didn't pick up his option, but he looks, he looks terrific, man. He's running with edge. I think the line play has been a little bit better than I expected. And I'm not ready to give up on the Raiders as, as a team that could contend. I know they're only two and four right now, but you know, this, the, the division doesn't look as good as maybe it did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and for the Houston side, you got to love Damian Pierce. He's unsinkable. The team's competitive. He's great. The team, you know, gets boat raced. He's great. He's, he's getting work in the past game. He's getting all the carries essentially in the running game. Uh, Davis Mills actually did play pretty well in the first half before tailing off in the second half. But uh, Damian Pierce, another guy, you know, if you went, I know fantasy, right? Any strategy works if you pick the right, right players. But if you ignored running back and then said, Oh yeah, I'll just, you know, double tap Jacobs and Pierce, you might've gotten laughed at in August, but you're the guy laughing now.
0: The Texans passing tree is so spread out. And you're, you're right to point out Damian Pierce, who only ran around on 21% of the dropbacks. Uh, Rex Burkhead was up there at about 48%. Obviously that's game script induced, but unsinkable because he's as a 44% targets per route run. Like when he's out there, they're going to get him the ball because he is probably their best offensive player at this point. And, you know, Nico Collins got I, I think Nico Collins was, like, ready to really take that next step. He gets hurt in this game, and then the passing tree is just so spread out after he leaves. You know, Chris Moore, Philip Dorsett, like, these are the names that are popping up. So not what you want to see from a Texans perspective. Keep an eye on that Nico Collins injury. You, you, like, you, you
1: like spread out passing trees. Let's talk about the Titans and Colts. I, I, yeah, I think the oh Titans – <laughs> <laughs> I think the Titans threw to Andre Johnson today. I mean it's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and you'd think like they're such a they're not a good passing team, right? Like these aren't like necessarily good players, but a ton of guys get involved here for the Tennessee Titans. And you know, nobody really has a big game at all because that's the Tennessee Titans. At one point, um Ryan Tannehill was hurt, but he came back into the game pretty quickly. Nobody has more than four targets on this team, Scott.
1: If we drafted the coaches in the NFL with the idea that you'd have them for the rest of their careers, so I don't know if you'd take Belichick if you if you know he's got five or ten years left or maybe just a couple of years. I mean, Mike Vrabel's a really early pick, right?
0: He absolutely is. He's, and I think he's pissed. I still think he's pissed about that AJ Brown trade. I think he would never. I because remember he said he was like I, I sooner, like not be the coach of the Titans than we trade AJ Brown. And then like three days later, they trade AJ Brown. So I really feel like they were just always going to have a chance with Mike Vrabel. Cause he's a good coach and they're
1: so, they are Shrek. Identity. They are Shrek, man. They win ugly, but they win and they have such little fantasy utility out of it other than Henry. They haven't put up anything. I mean, you know, Hooper had a smattering of, of stuff today, but Robert Woods, who I thought was quasi playable today, turns out he wasn't uh, Tannehill didn't do much, get a little bit dinged up in this game. It was basically just the Henry show And on the other side, look, we all love Michael Pittman, and he was fine. And I think we all like Alec Pierce, but they have uncovered something with Paris Campbell. Anything can happen once, Mm. but it's happened a couple of weeks in a row today. He's the target hog. He gets 10 catches. They've been talking up Paris Campbell in an offense that struggled. They've been one of the worst running teams in the league. Today, they only gave it to Taylor 10 times. They fell behind, and Taylor actually got a lot of work in the passing game. But I, I thought it was cute last week when Paris Campbell had a big game. Now I have to take Paris Campbell seriously.
0: I guess. I'm we, still look, skeptical. Yeah, we look. He could
1: put Paris Campbell could Paris Campbell on us at any at any yeah. moment. I get that. And plus, Matt Ryan could Matt Ryan. I mean, he he. I know he's put up some volume lately. Last week he threw for a ton of yards, but he had a million attempts. I mean, today they were behind the whole game. He threw 44 passes, but they went nowhere. Five point five per attempt. I I would not be surprised at all if this was Matt Ryan's last season. Oh, 100 um,
0: percent. Michael Pittman, like you mentioned, you know, kind of whatever game, nine targets, 58 yards. Um, quietly, couple of developments here uh, for the Colts. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor's receiving role, 40 percent targets per route run, eight targets overall. Like, that comes one week after they just threw so much to Deion Jackson, you know? And I mean, obviously Naheem Hines too has a decent, you know, a little decent ish receiving day, his typical five targets, five catches, 41 yards. Like I think that should continue. And maybe that does trickle down to Paris Campbell, who is going to be the short area receiver here. But the other thing I will note too, big playing time bump for Alec Pierce, 95.8% routes per drop back. That's the first time he's been up in that territory this year. So I think he is. Please still don't a cut guy. him. Please do yes, not cut agreed. Alec Pierce. And
1: and if he he'll get dropped in some leagues and I want you to swoop in and get him. And maybe with the backs getting so much work the last couple of weeks, and we know they have three tight ends they use anyway, maybe the point is you can just never play a Colts tight end. And and I get it. Like some weeks Woods is gonna have a touchdown and Moelli Cox will have three monster games a year. You'll never know when they're coming. Yep. Grantson gets snaps too. Um and, and maybe just Ryan is more comfortable throwing to his backs anyway than than Carson Wentz was last year.
0: Yeah, I think that's the way this is going to go. I feel like we have sort of a vision for this Colts offense and how it's going to operate the rest of the year. It's not going to be sexy. It's going to be a lot of short passes. But I do think the focus is kind of
1: coming into picture here. Well, you know what? What's what's sexy right now in the NFL? Like I mean like the the you know, the, 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 the Chiefs even the Chiefs aren't <laughs> that sexy anymore, right? I mean what team If if you're just an offensive guy, what team would you want to have the standalone games next week? I mean, who are you dying? What tape are you dying to dig into on offense right now? What top of your head? What offense? Like, Oh, my God. I love watching that offense.
0: I mean, I think Kansas City's still up there. Um,
1: Eagles. Eagles are up there.
0: Eagles. Absolutely. All the teams that didn't play this week. You know, the Bills as well. Right. Yeah. Of
1: course, the Bills for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah I, I but it's you're unfair. right. The NFL was unfair to take away Justin Jefferson and and, and AJ Brown and you know the, the Buffalo Flying Circus. You know to have all these teams on on the bye week together at the same time felt cruel. This was like the you know Bill Simmons calls the apple picking week, right? Where you you, you it's probably why your your friend got married this weekend. They probably no doubt looked at the NFL schedule and said, OK, what's the most powerful bye week? That's the perfect time to have a wedding because Harmon will come. You know, he'll understand <laughs> he's not going to miss Josh Allen that week. He's not going to miss A.J. Brown that week. You know, but if I had a, if I had a wedding during a non-bye week, he, he'll probably just, you know, send us a toaster.
0: No, oh, buddy, I, I um, let's be clear. These were my, you know, I mean they're they're my friends now too, but they were they were my wife's friends. Uh, I I don't <laughs> I don't know anybody that gets married during football season, but damn it, I did make the sacrifice to get there. You know, um, next week, by the way, I think the hey, the Bengals might be in the circle. You know, the oh offensive, yeah right? yeah yeah they're gonna be a, they're gonna be the Monday Night Football game next week. If they Halloween. wanted
1: if they wanted to break the bro- Van Brocklin what five forty four is it? passing yard yeah. record they could have done it today. Yeah, the the, the the Bengals are definitely back, and and not only are they good, but they're so efficient they're so tight with their concentration you know they, they don't they're not giving their fullbacks touchdowns yeah i mean occasionally you know whatever um p ryan will get a touchdown or something burrow runs one in and nobody else gets it but you know they're they're fun man if i were redrafting, i would make sure the bengals were a point of emphasis
0: that's our favorite type of team all right that is going to do it for us you can follow scott on twitter at scott underscore pianowski you can follow me if you want to at matt Harmon underscore byb and while you're there Make sure you give a follow to at Yahoo fantasy as well. If you like the podcast and want to support us, the best way to do it would be to leave a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Andy Barons and I will be back. let try to sort out the waiver wire this week. A lot of injuries. We'll definitely have a lot to talk about until then we're out.